Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Keith Nestor, and I will be your guest host for this week. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflections. It's a time where groups from around the state and county get together, open with prayer, and read the gospel for this week's Mass. Then the group discusses what the gospel means to them and how it's impacting their daily life. So that's what we're doing here on the radio. Now, joining me today is my good friend and special guest, Dan Venezia. He's from New Jersey. Dan's got an amazing story. He's the author of a book called Surviving COVID-19. He played for the Minnesota Twins back in the day, and he's an awesome guy. He's been on my podcast, Catholic Feedback, and done lots of things. And I'm very thankful that Dan is with us here today. So, Dan, welcome to the program. It's good to have you. Thank you, Keith. It's a, a blessing to be here to break open God's word. Amen. Well, before we jump into the gospel reading for today, which comes from John chapter four, Dan, would you mind opening us up in a word of prayer? Sure. In the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, we ask that you keep our hearts open as we break open your word here today throughout this Lenten season and throughout the rest of our time here on earth. Father, we are grateful for your compassion and your mercy and your unconditional love. Lord, we thank you for sending us a redeemer. We know that your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, paid a debt he didn't owe, one that we could never repay. We are thankful for this sacrifice at Calvary, for this pathway to salvation, for this chance at eternal life. We honor you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We adore you. And we glorify you. It is our hope here today and always to serve you and to bring others to you by proclaiming the good news. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for that, my brother. Well, today's gospel comes to us from the fourth chapter of John, and it's a familiar story, the story of the woman at the well, and it reads this way. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you do not even have a bucket and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming back here to draw water. I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, 
Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking with you. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him. And when the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The word of God for us today. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dan, this is an incredible story, and I would just love to have you begin by sharing some general thoughts that you have when you have heard it today. Well, you know, interesting, we know that Jesus, he had a track record of going after the marginalized, right? His disciples were all sinners, tax collectors, and uh, he basically does the same thing here. Samaritans and Jews did not sort of go hand in hand. It was It's worse than Democrats and Republicans getting together. And he was coming from the South, and, you know, a pious Jews would go around. Uh, I believe he was coming from Judea, right? He was going to Galilee, and you know, the geography is he would, he went straight in right at it, right at her. And, and to me, it shows God's relentless mercy that uh, Jesus is coming to her, right? We're, we always have this quest to go after God, but he's there. Jesus is there sort of waiting for us. And this was a, a man talking to a woman. This was a Jew talking to a Samaritan. So right away, you know, it makes for a, a, a great, great drama and then he sort of uh, lets her know. He calls her out on her on her past, and uh, he lets he, he knows her by name. He knows everything about her, and we all can relate to that. We can put ourselves at the well, you know, our sins, our shortcomings, our vices. We all know what they are, what those crosses are. She clearly knew what hers was. She was going there in the middle of the day. It was hot. Why didn't she go in the morning or at night when it was a bit cooler? Why wasn't she with friends? It was a community thing to go to the well. We find out that she was, you know, she was marginalized and she was a public sinner. So that's why she was there in the middle of the day. And Jesus calls her out on it and he, he calls her into his love and his divine mercy. And it's a, it's a beautiful gospel. Yeah, we, we read the truncated version of the gospel today, but in your parishes this Sunday, uh, you may get more to the story. And of course, a lot more to that story is her personal story of having multiple husbands and living with a man who's not her husband. And Jesus called her out on that. But your point about him going to her, he, he already knew that about her. He didn't learn that from her. He knew that, and he chose to go to her anyway. This woman who was at the well at a time when other women wouldn't be there, probably because she didn't want to deal with the stares and the gossip. And in some ways, I think a lot of us can relate to that because there are some people who choose to stay away from the religious community because they don't feel worthy enough. They don't feel like they fit in. And, and it's interesting how you mentioned that Jesus comes to her specifically at that time. Remember, nothing is by accident in this story, is it? 
So no. Jesus' interaction with her was planned. It was intentional. He knew exactly where he was going. He knew exactly who he wanted to meet there. And it was this woman who's the most unlikely person that we can ever imagine for an encounter like this with Jesus. And yet he goes. And isn't that the story of the incarnation in and of itself? Isn't it? He comes to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He doesn't wait for us to get our act together. So just that part of it, I mean, even in the first few verses, Dan, we've got the gospel right there. We've got Jesus Christ, the Holy One, coming to a woman who, from all outside appearances, should be the last person he'd have anything to do with. But that's exactly what he wants to do. Amen. And, and, you know, he explains to her about this water that she's, she's basically going to the wrong place for the wrong. She's not, she keeps getting thirsty. And, and for us, if you can think for a moment, again, the people that are listening, you know what your cross is, you know what your well is, right? The well could be the, 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 the bar, right? You could have an alcohol problem. It could be uh, the drugs. It could be a gambling casino. It could be an internet chat room. That's, those are our wells. I, I, I mean, I certainly know my my crosses. I've been down <laughs> every single one of those places, and uh, you don't you don't get that fulfillment. You don't get that joy. And you know there is a, a, a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a conviction. Joy is sustainable, and when it's when it's godly things, it stays with you forever for eternity. These other things, you're always going to be thirsty. You're always going to want another drink. You're always going to need another high. And, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for, it's never enough. And Jesus offers her more than enough. He offers her salvation. Uh, you know, leave this well. Stop coming back to this stupid well over and over because you're always going to be thirsty. But come follow me and I'll give you that eternal spring that'll bubble up inside of you. And uh, another part of this, Keith, is that she becomes the first evangelist, uh, I, I believe, in the gospel because she goes out and she she drops her bucket. Um, and man, that tears me up when I think of that, because I know what I need to drop and that Jesus is calling all of us. He's not there with us at the well, but he is. He's not physically there, but he's speaking to us in other ways. We need to be in tuned to what our, when our father's speaking. We need to listen with the ear of our hearts. God is everywhere. He's right here on this, this radio program speaking to you. And you just need to leave your bucket and follow him. Yeah, I think it's I think it's so awesome how this this basic human need of water is something every single person can relate to. And I I don't know about you, but when when I um get thirsty, that's a powerful force. I mean, I was a wrestler in high school, and when you had to cut weight, you didn't think about food, you thought about water because that's the best way to 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 bring those pounds down was to shed all your water weight so you would dehydrate yourself and not drink. And when you were when you were trying to cut those last two or three pounds, you weren't sitting there dreaming of a Big Mac. You were dreaming of a tall glass of water because that that need for hydration is one of the most powerful things that we can ever experience. Because why? Because we're mostly made up of that, right? We, we And we need that which God wants to give us. But here's the thing. Jesus uses that to show the type of yearning that we should have for him. And he uses that to show that every, because it's a universal, it's a universal feeling that we all have is this feeling of thirst. But Jesus is saying, look, there's a deeper thirst, even than water. And that thirst is for something greater. That thirst is for a relationship with God. 
And I think that's something that we can all relate to because we've all experienced those things. You know, this woman is thinking in terms of the body, but Jesus quenches the thirst of the soul. And in order to have this living water, though, I think what's interesting is he goes to her personal life, doesn't he? He, he talks about this. And, and in order for us to have that spot with Jesus where he can quench the thirst of our soul, we've got to be real about who we are and what's going on, Dan. We can't fool God. We can fool everybody else. We can fool ourselves. But Jesus knows what's going on in our lives, and he knows why we do the things that we do. And if you want to have Jesus living water in you, you got to be real about our lives and our souls and what it is that we're thirsting for. Right. And, and, and again, going back to her going at 12 o'clock, no one was there to see her at noon. Right. And think of our sins. We don't do them out in the open. Right. It's, it's behind the privacy usually of a closed door and we think no one's watching, but God knows exactly what you're doing. And uh, he's, he's calling you for, a greater purpose. And, and, and once you realize that, once you, I mean, that's the conversion, that's the metanoia, right? That's the kerygma the, to proclaim the good news. Once you make that conversion and drop your bucket and decide to follow him, you no longer are concerned with things of, you're not of this world anymore. God will provide you with the, with the drink to hydrate your body, but it's, we're, we're spirits, right? We're, we're spirits in a body. We are not a body with a spirit. We we were born as a spirit and God's calling us all to a higher purpose. And at the end of the day, you know, I said in the opening prayer, he wants us to worship him, but he also wants us to bring others to him. And I think that's very uh, important part of this uh, gospel is that she goes out and she preaches the good news. I don't know anyone who follows the Lord who's not doing that second part, because once you have it in you, it's, it's bubbling. You can't keep it in. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, and I think that's that's an awesome way that this story ends with with the woman. And as you mentioned in the longer version, it talks about that she the thing that she came there for, she doesn't even bring back. She drops that, runs into town, and says, "Let me tell you about a man who told me everything I did." Now, when they hear about this, they want Jesus to stay. I love this picture. Like this is a great response to. The message is, is well, where's he at? Let's get him to stay. And then they say to her, we no longer believe just because of you. We've experienced him for ourselves, and this is awesome. And remember, like you said at the beginning, these are people who were on the outskirts. These were people who weren't counted worthy by the Jews, and yet Jesus, the king of the Jews, he comes to them. And I think that that's something that we have to remember is that whenever we feel on the outskirts, oftentimes it's because We've been chasing that thirst, but we've been chasing that interior spiritual thirst with things of this world. And now as we're in the season of Lent right now, what a lot of Catholics are doing is we're giving up things to remind us of that thirst because sometimes that physical reality of hunger and thirst reminds you of your spiritual hunger and thirst. So my prayer for all of us is that as we continue in this journey that we are feeling that same longing for Christ that we feel longing for whatever it is that we chose to to give up or fast from during Lent. And, and when we found that, like you said, we want to tell everybody. We don't want to shut up about it. Yeah. Spread, spread the good word, my brother. Now let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about this, about this conversation that she seems to get into with him about this whole issue of worship. 
Because as soon as she, you know, has Jesus' ear, she's like, hey, I got a question for you, Jesus. You know, you, you guys say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. We say we're supposed to worship on this mountain. You know, she's pointing to these theological differences. What's the deal? And Jesus basically transcends their theological bickerings. And he says, look, let's talk about worship for a moment. And he says that the hour is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for that's who God's looking for. God is spirit, and, and he's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's, let's unpack that for a minute there, Dan. What do you think that means? Well, I can't help but think about, you know, how the Pharisees during that time when they were, they were out to get him, right? And oh, yeah. they were all because he was going against the law of Moses. We, we know that he is the law of Moses. But, you know, they sort of he was healing on the Sabbath and he was eating when he wasn't supposed to eat. And, and, and he was going against all of those traditions. He it was a new covenant now. Right. This was a new the Ark of the New Covenant. And uh, so they were coming after him hard. And so I think this is his way of saying, you know, I'm not worried about all of those. You know, you're too focused on, you know, what you're eating, unclean piece of meat or he's he's more focused on your soul. Right. And he wants to talk about the truth. That's all he cares about. Where's your heart? He want, At the end of the day, what I took from this is that he wants your heart. He wants to know that you really love him. So if you're worshiping, you know, at the church or in the privacy of your own room, if, if your heart is there and you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he wants you. Yeah. So would you call that, would you put that under the category of worship in spirit or worship in truth? I would call that worship in spirit. Yeah, yeah, because we've all seen what happens when when you have one without the other, right? When you have spirit with no truth, then, you know, you can have people who are just, oh, I love Jesus, I do all this, but but they're kind of creating him in their own mind. They're disconnected from reality. They And you hear people talk like that sometimes. They, they remove the parts of Jesus' message that make them uncomfortable so that they can basically create a God in their own image. So Jesus is saying, look, you can't do that. You've got to worship me according to the truth. You got to worship the father according to the truth, right? And what is Jesus? He's the way, the truth, and the life. So when we come to Jesus, inherently we are coming to the greatest expression of truth. But if you have truth without spirit, then, you know, that's exactly what you're talking about. Like the Pharisees, you know, they, they've got the letter of the law nailed down, but it hasn't impacted their heart yet. And I think that's what that's what Jesus is trying to show this woman is like you can get so caught up in these debates or these issues but what Jesus wants to do is to crash the two things together of of what is actually true about God and what that looks like for you to embrace that with all of your heart. And I, I like to think about that because I th- I think for a lot of us we we need to focus on we we're, we're more by default, inclined to one over the other. Some of us are more excited about learning what's true. And others of us are more excited about the experiences that we have in worship. And what Jesus is saying is, look, you've got to have both. You've got to have both. It's, it's, you don't make up your own religion, and you've got to embrace that with your entire heart and, and, and give your heart to Christ completely. Your thoughts, Dan? You know, no, I'm, I'm so glad you, you, you made that point because I've been in both places, by the way. I've been lukewarm for a long time, going to church and just not connected with the liturgy, with the community, with the Eucharist, just 
but I'm, I'm checking the box, right? I'm going mm -hmm. to church. I'm throwing my money in the basket. And then there was a time where I was away from the church, but I felt that I had Jesus in my, in my heart, in my back pocket, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't fully there yet either. I, it wasn't until I, and, and, and this is only recent Keith and I'm, and I'm still on the journey and I still have my buckets that I need to drop off at that. Well, believe me, I'm still working on them on those crosses. I pray every day that, that not only God utilizes me and puts me where he wants me, but that he also uh, helps me with those crosses. But it's just as of late that I'm sort of, I've, I've had a reversion in a sense, but also I understand that it's more than just, you know, saying, you know, you're going to go to heaven if you're a good Christian, be a good person and you're getting in, or just because you go to church, you're getting in. And it's really, it's both. As you said, he said, it. it's not going, it's coming directly from Jesus, spirit and truth. Yeah. I mean, I, so I used to be a Protestant pastor, you know, and we, we, I've seen a lot of different things in, in the church world out there. And I don't know if you've ever seen these, but some t there, there was this movement that kind of started in the eighties and went through the nineties, early two thousands of what was called seeker sensitive worship services. Right. And the idea was that you were going to create a worship experience designed to attract the people who are seeking God. And what we would do is try to remove anything that seemed too quote unquote religious that might offend someone who's not quite ready for it. And we'd try to make it an appealing environment and we'd use music familiar to them in the culture. And we would try to just take away those things that they associated typically with church because we felt like, well, if they're seeking, we have to, we can't beat them over the head with the truth right away. We've got to bring them in slowly so that they can, uh, you know, swallow what we're, what we're feeding them. And what happened was over time, and this is when I say over time, I'm talking decades here, the, the movement itself began to recognize that it wasn't really working because what was happening were, was that people who were drawn by their worldly desires into the church because, oh, this is going to be cool. There's a good motivational speech and there's a good band and there's cool people and there's cool programs and it's all this neat stuff. When they're being drawn in there by their by their worldly desires, you said it earlier, you know, when, when that's your motivation, you've got to keep coming back. You've got to keep upping the game because what satisfies you on day one is not going to is not going to do it on day 31. So what would happen would be people would they'd get bored. They'd get they'd get tired of it and then they'd just kind of fade away. And what the what the a lot of these church leaders recognized was that look, we we can't do this because we're shortchanging people. I mean, imagine if this woman at the well, if Jesus came to her instead of telling her who he really was, he beat around the bush and he didn't want to offend her and he certainly didn't call her out on her sin and anything about her. He just tried to give her some nice little motivational speech and encouragement, I, I don't know if she would have found that compelling enough to drop that bucket and run back into town. But here's the thing. The idea of a seeker worship service is actually biblical, and we see it right here. But the, the, the difference is, who is the one doing the seeking? The one seeking the worship is the Father. So a true seeker-sensitive, seeker-oriented worship service is one that is directed toward God the Father. And Jesus reveals that to us. So if we want to see that bucket filled or that, that thirst quenched in our own lives, man, we've got to get about the Father, don't we, Dan? We've got to search for truth in God and know that this, he is searching too. And he's searching for people. Yeah, he's searching. 
Amen. He, 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 amen. He wants, he wants us, you know, he wants that closer encounter. And uh, the truth is uh, God is a very demanding God. We know he's a merciful God and, and we can talk all we want about mercy. We know there's a ton of it there. It's all Jesus is about mercy and compassion and love and kindness, but there's some demands there and he makes a demand with this woman at the well by calling out her past and telling her what she's done. And, uh, you know, it, we can't sugarcoat that. Uh, God knows what we've done, but we have been redeemed because of the blood on that cross. But we're told to go and sin no more. Like the woman, the adulterous woman, same thing. Everyone dropped their stones. They don't condemn you, neither do I. But go and sin no more. There's, there's direction there. He's calling us to, to be more like him. And at the end of the day, we want to be holier. We're all called to be saints. I learned from a priest once, I never forgot it. He said that uh, a, a saint is a sinner that keeps on trying. Oh, wow. I like and, that. Yeah. And, yeah and, and one of the great poets, uh, I think it was Thomas Merton, uh, writer, he said, you know, I hope my willingness to please you, in fact, pleases you, Lord. So through spirit and truth, through, you know, the sacraments and going to church and worshiping, but also through bringing others to him. Uh, we'd li- I'd like to think that we all have hope that, you know, we're not, we're, we're, as I get older, I say, um, I'm not sinless, but I sin less. And it's because when you're in the word and you, you go to church every day and you're in there, you're not lukewarm, you're not just checking the box, but you're sort of, you're, you're receiving it and you're open to it, then nothing but a conversion will take place. And it's happened with me. And uh, I am a different person because of because of that divine mercy and because of that those demands. I um, you know I know he's always watching, and, and that you know Keith, don't make no mistake. The evil one is behind that thirst. For, you know, go to the bar, go to the casino, go to have you know whatever it is that you're doing that you're not supposed to be doing. That's the evil one, sort of taking over. Once you've uh, giving yourself to, to the Lord, that sin separates us from God. Once you're able to separate and drop that bucket, um, good things are going to happen for you. So I'm, I'm going to pray for everyone on this show that you, you drop your bucket at your well. Amen. Dan, thank you so much for taking time to be with us here today on Reflections from the Heart. Dan Venezia, uh, check out his book, Surviving COVID-19. Dan, I just want to give you uh, an opportunity real quick to tell people where they can find out more about you. Oh, great. You can go to danvenezia.com or you can just, you know, head on over to Amazon and, and, and the book is, a, it's a journey of faith. Surviving COVID is just a, just a cover story, but uh, it's my intention to bring others to the Lord. Praise God. Thanks everyone for joining us here on Reflections from the Heart. We'll see you back here next week. Take care, my friends, and God bless. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717 367 0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, 
is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.